Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It could happen here is the podcast that this is about things falling apart and how to how to how to maybe unfall them apart. Uh, I'm Robert Evans, uh, your 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 host, and your other hosts are Christopher uh, and Garrison, and our producer Sophie. Uh, how's everybody doing today? Great. Uh, how's every uh, how, How's everybody feel about war? Uh, oh, like, uh, yeah. One now, if you were to favorites. guess based on your knowledge of history, what generation of war we're in right now? What would you what What would y'all guess? <sighs> I feel like war isn't it's 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 newer in relation to like human beings like the idea of war I'm guessing like there's been like battles but like the idea of like war I feel like isn't super old compared to how long there's been humans walking around so I don't know this is maybe I mean I I know the answer but like it's it's <laughs> like I don't know like it's it's definitely we definitely passed through like at least a couple of stages and we're mm-hmm. in at least a couple yeah. Chris, like, got, got, gotta be got, at least twelve. Twelve, okay, at least wow. twelve. You are way ahead of William S. Lind, who spoilers <laughs> is the guy who came up with the concept of fourth generation war, which is what this episode is about, right? One of the things when we talk about things falling apart is um, 
the 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 unsettling growth of a number of different hybrid conflicts ukraine being the most like uh, blatant modern example syria being the deadliest example in our lifetimes but like these weird hybrid conflicts that are a mix of shit happening on the internet and like disinformation going out all over the world you could even think to like what was happening in Bolivia a year or so back and like all those weird accounts that were like based around Langley, Virginia claiming to support the military coup. And you can look at like uh, from the same, this disinformation brought out by like the Russian state that is usually as part of like a conflict either, you know, they have disinfo operations in Syria, disinfo operations around the conflict in, in Ukraine that are kind of designed to muddy the issues and to detract international support and also to like drum up support within for like in the in the case of Ukraine you had like this media blitz against the legitimacy of the Ukrainian state in favor of like a more uh like traditionally russian um uh style of government in the east and like that led to this breakaway republic that was supported by the russian government and like so these are like hybrid conflicts is kind of how these are referred to and there was a guy named William S. Lind who in 1989 wrote uh, a book with a couple of U.S. military analysts. Like he was an analyst for the military. He was not serving in the military. The other guys he wrote this this thing with were serving at the time. And they wrote this, this book kind of trying to – basically what Lind was doing, he was very influenced by our loss in Vietnam. When I say our here, like the loss of the, the American state uh, in Vietnam – and he was trying to determine, like, number one, kind of like find a way to codify and explain the changes that were happening to warfare in this period. He was also influenced by what was happening in Afghanistan, what the Russians were experiencing, um, and find a way to, like, move forward and allow the United States to win wars again, right? Like, that was William S. Lind's goal. Um, and so he he came up with this concept of – or he and some other guys came up with what they called fourth-generation warfare. Um, and first-generation warfare is like Napoleonic-era warfare. So like as Garrison was saying, you may note that he kind of starts his – That's like, pretty late. That's yeah. pretty late. We had yeah, a lot of wars before the 1600s or the 1800s. And like, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of stuff that yeah. leads up to like – I, yeah, I, if I was going to try to categorize different types of warfare, that would not be the one I start with. <laughs> Well, and the, like the reality, of course, as we'll talk about, like when you start looking at different kinds of warfare, is there's wars that look remarkably like the shit going on in Afghanistan and Ukraine that are occurring like several thousand years ago. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, some it, of those in, like, like in the same places too. Like, yeah, it's like, well, it, it just like if you wanted to, if you wanted to talk about like kind of the modern style of wars that we saw and that we've seen really in the last like 150 years, they're not all that dissimilar in a lot of ways from like the kind of conflicts you saw between Rome and Carthage, um, which yeah, are these yeah. really like big nation state style conflicts and and have a lot of similarities but but William S Lynn described the first generation of warfare as beginning after the peace of Westphalia in 1648 that ended the 30 years war um and it's the kind of warfare where you have these like big tightly ordered groups of men marching towards each other and like firing very inaccurate yeah. weapons in mass together right uh this is ended by the era of the machine gun and the semi-automatic rifle um, or in the, in the bolt reaction rifle, I should say. And that leads us to second generation warfare, which is linear fire and movement with heavy reliance on indirect fire. So that's still huge groups of guys charging, but they're not marching in close order. They're not like firing in volleys. Yeah. Um, and they're supported by heavy artillery, like by World War One kind of shit, right? Um, really, we, we start to see this in like 1870, and then World War One is kind of the height of this kind of warfare. And over the course of World War One, we merge, and again, this is William S. Lynn's way, we merge from second generation to third generation warfare, which is where you've got 
infiltration tactics to bypass enemy defensive lines okay. and collapse it, which is kind of the Germans and, and their Auftragstaktik and stormtrooper tactics are really kind of uh, pioneering that. You've got the idea of defense in depth. Um, and so this need to bypass the enemy and like this leads to Blitzkrieg and leads to all sorts of shit. Um, and then that kind of starts to collapse in Lin's estimation around Vietnam. And you get what's called fourth generation warfare. Uh, fourth generation, I'm actually just going to read a quote from a military history wiki that I thought had a pretty good description of all of this. Fourth generation warfare is normally characterized by a violent non-state actor fighting a state. This fighting can be physically done, such as by modern examples, Hezbollah or the Liberation Tigers of Tamil Ilam. Um, In this realm, the VNSA, these violent non-state actors, use all three levels of fourth generation warfare. These are the physical, actual combat, which is considered the least important, mental, the will to fight, belief in victory, etc., and the moral, which is the most important, Lynn says, and includes cultural norms, etc. Um... So obviously, I, I think that this is kind of nonsense. There's a lot of people – so there's a lot of folks, the, the people who buy into this, and it's very popular on the right, will we'll look at like what's happening in Ukraine. It's a perfect example of fourth-generation warfare because you have Russia flooding the zone using Sputnik and a bunch of other kind of media organizations to drum up um, discord and like anger between East and West in Ukraine uh, and support for potential Russian action at the same time as you have them backing this dictator. Um, and then you have like the West sort of supporting the the people protesting against those dictators and like so you've got like this this digital conflict this information conflict that eventually leads to fighting on the ground one of the areas in which i think lind is really off is is talking about like the physical as the least important especially if you're going to consider ukraine an example of fourth generation warfare because if the russian military had not intervened there would not still be a conflict in Ukraine. The separatists would not still hold land. And in fact, the separatists were on the edge of getting completely wiped out by the Ukrainian military because they were a bunch of non-state actors with minimal support and minimal weaponry before the Russians moved in brigades of active duty combat troops and armor, um, including like gigantic fucking missile launchers, which they used to shoot down uh, that Malaysian Airlines flight. Like it, it, it's just not I, – I don't think that, that what, what Lind is saying is very um, – very well describes what's actually going on in the world. But it is important to understand the concept of fourth generation warfare and fifth generation warfare, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, because it is so useful in the way in which particularly guys like Steve Bannon um, conceive of conflict, because they you, you will hear the term fourth generation warfare constantly. And it's also something that is used a lot within our military establishment. Now, a lot of people hate it. And within, you can find a lot of papers by dudes writing like analysts who are working for the defense department for the army actively like shitting on lind and talking about how he's at, at best is kind of like reinvented ideas that have existed in warfare for thousands of years and he's kind of summarized things in a way that that is un- needlessly flattening and like some people will say you basically like ripped up like added the internet to Clausewitz uh and pretended that you'd invented a new style of conflict or that you defined a new style of conflict anyway that's like an introduction to the idea of fourth generation warfare, right? And there's a lot of things that he gets again, like if you're if you're a history, a military history wonk, which Lind pretends to be, a lot of shit that he gets wrong. Um, so one of the things that he says, uh, like one of his famous phrases, is that every military eventually craps in its own mess kit. Um, the idea that like every military that that is great eventually like has a gigantic fuck up because they get too used to doing the same thing, which is true. Um, and he describes it as like 
Um, the Prussians did it in 1806, after which they designed and put into service a much more improved model mesh kit, uh, mess kit through the Scharnhorst military reforms. The French did it in 1870, after which they took down from the shelf an old model mess kit, the mass draft army of the First Republic, and put it back into service. The Japanese did it in 1945, after which they threw their mess kit away, swearing they would never eat again. And we did it in Korea, in Vietnam, and now in four new wars. So far, we've, only, we've had the only military that's just kept on eating. And that's a really dumb statement. That's all really historically inaccurate. So, yeah. for example, it's true that, like, the Prussians had a great military, which then got its butt kicked by Napoleon, and they had to completely redesign it. And by the time 1870 came around, they were extremely dominant on the battlefield against the French. Number one, he's crediting the military reforms of, like, tactics and strategy and ignoring things like Krupp inventing an entirely new kind of cannon that was utterly dominant on the battlefield. Um, he's also ignoring the fact that this Prussian army – um, he's saying like the U.S. is the only army that does the same thing over and over again and fails and keeps on eating. Well, the Prussian army is the army the Germans took into battle in World War One and Two. And spoilers, they didn't learn enough yeah. from either of those wars. <laughs> um, he also talks about how like the French had their, you know, sh- crapping in the mess kit moment in 1870 after the Franco-Prussian War. And they changed their army and it was much better. And I was like, well – they didn't win World War One. Like, they were on the side that won, but if it had been them against Germany, they would have gotten fucking <laughs> steamrolled. Like, it was not going well for them for quite a while, and they lost a whole generation of young men. So maybe, and, and again, this is like, wh- what he's saying is basically, we, because we're losing so constantly, the reason that we're losing is not because we are picking bad conflicts. It's not because we're picking to engage in conflicts when we shouldn't at all be engaging in conflicts. It's not because we use military force in like a fundamentally venal and corrupt way in order to benefit a small cabal of uh, military industrial corporations. It's because we we don't have good battle doctrine, and that's why we're not winning in these conflicts, which ignores everything about the reality of the conflicts that like he's talking about. Like the, the problem is not a lack of combat dominance, which is, is what you were seeing with like the Prussians fighting Napoleon. It's what you were seeing with the French fighting the Germans uh, in 1870, right? Like in those cases, the Prussians had a massive failure of combat dominance against the French and the, the French had a massive failure in combat against the Germans. Their doctrine was just worse. Um, U.S. soldiers are great at getting into gunfights and great at winning gunfights. The problem is not a lack of combat combat ability. The problem is that there's no way to win the conflicts that we're getting into. They are unwinnable wars uh, that were never things that, like, no amount of change in doctrine would have made Afghanistan a success, because it was a stupid war. (laughs) Yeah, like, like, if if, if that were true, like, coin would have worked. Mm -hmm. And coin, no, like, coin counterinsurgency. absolutely, Yeah. yeah, yeah, just complete, total, and utter failure. Like, enormous numbers of people dead, enormous numbers of, like, people traumatized for generations, and the U.S. still just lost both wars. Yeah. It's just and, 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 and if you really dig into Lind and others like him, what they're actually saying when they say that, like, we need to reform, like, the way the military works with new battle doctrines, we need to be killing even more people. We just didn't kill enough in Vietnam, like the five million we bombed or so. That wasn't enough people. Like, that. that's the reform that he's really talking about. Um, is, is Lynn one of those people who like rants about the uh, like the the, the El Salvadorian option? Um, like, I'm sure he does. I don't know exactly what he said about El Salvador. He's a fascinating kind of fascist. Um, he is absolutely a fascist. He was the director of the Center for Cultural Conservatism at the Free Congress Foundation. 
Um, he wrote a – or he helped to, to popularize a declaration of cultural independence by cultural conservatives, um, which is like these – it, 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 there's yeah. a lot of the seeds of the shit that we're seeing today, right? That like American culture and institutions are being collapsed because of like liberal decadence and conservatives, cultural conservatives should separate themselves and like set up parallel institutions. Oh, um, and so eventually that secede. is where Bannon comes in. and That's where that's Bannon how, comes in. Yeah, that's yeah, where like yeah. fucking Andrew Torba and Gab come in. They all advocate this shit. Yeah, because they're um, all, they, they all adhere to that kind of, uh, uh, yeah, um, uh, like politics as culture. Uh, and and type, like, there's downstream yeah. thing. And there's some weird differences with Lind. Like he's a huge mass transit and urban rail advocate, which I guess I agree I mean, with him on. Ev- like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, a bad yeah. person does have a good opinion. He loves he loves him some fucking city trains and stuff. Yeah. Um, but he's also he was a major factor. He was one of the earliest like prominent conservatives who was like yelling about cultural Marxism in kind of the modern political period. I mean, that makes um, sense because he was yeah. real into me- it sounds like he's real into metapolitics. So yes, yeah, th- that's super into metapolitics. Yeah, so like all of this stuff makes a whole lot of sense if you're yeah, if if you're uh, if if you if you know what me- if you know what metapolitics are, it also kind of explains how he developed the different generations of warfare using it through a framework of metapolitics yeah, actually really if, makes that fit. If you believe like Breitbart famously stated that like politics is downstream from culture and if you also believe what klaus i think it was klauswitz that said that like war is politics by other means then yeah. like you can make cultural All changes that sense. can cause wars and like yeah like that's a, a lot like kind of i think the thought process behind I mean, lynn yeah because this this really defines what he means by fourth generation warfare of war being handed out specifically by the culture instead of having it be abstracted to be like people mm-hmm. marching towards each other with guns because yeah. he's, he's, he's he's putting the he's putting the culture kind of back into it yeah and he and he's and he's and it, and obviously culture was never not a factor in of course not no, like yes. every single war has <laughs> yeah. been a major factor like all of this shit he talks about as being characteristic of fourth generation warfare has been happening in one way or another for thousands of years <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not that these things are done in like temporal succession it's yeah. like because like a lot of the stuff that makes up fourth generation warfare like the more like guerrilla warfare aspects come way before people with guns marching towards there each were other fucking right? afghans was, doing that to alexander the goddamn great yeah, like, like, before like, the birth of yeah. christ <laughs> a lot of a lot of this fourth gen stuff is actually like kind of more similar mm. to what original warfare probably would have been like um, yeah which I, I think he I think to to his credit I think he does actually recognize that at some point in his writing. No, and, and and the thing about this is, while we can pick at it, and I think there is a lot that's ridiculous in his attitude. It's it's close enough to the way that reality works that if you're going if you're thinking about conflict in this framework, you can be very successful. It's not yeah. like an it, it, it's inaccurate in some ways because he's he is wrongly describing why certain things work. I think is a lot of what he's doing, and he's wrong about winning wars. I'll say that. Um, if if the American military were to make the fucking Lind the the Secretary of Defense and give him total power, like he would keep on losing wars as hard as we've been losing wars for everyone listening to this his lifetime. Um, but in a cultural sense, the kind of culture jamming, which is a term we'll talk about more in the future, and the, but the kind of like the the propaganda arms and stuff in order to the 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 media warfare in order to either incite or justify real conflict or or and this is one of the areas in which they have been really effective to alter the dimension to alter how internationally a, a conflict is responded to so one of the big successes of people like this has been effectively eliminating any kind of left wing support 
for liberatory movements in the Middle East, um, for liberatory movements, or for like just like what's happening in Ukraine. This kind of like reflexive. Well, if there's uh, if there's a a movement for liberation among the people of a country, it's probably the CIA, like yeah. uh, like carrying out some sort of op. Um, that's Lind and his people, um, and people influenced by him have been a big part of pushing that. Um, it's why Steve Bannon is in and fuck is so friendly with like some guys on like chunks of they call themselves the left and whatnot. It's because um, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ties there, and that is an area in which they've been successful because international support really matters. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, and and I think like the death of internationalism is one of the bigger successes that like these these thinkers have kind of had. But yeah, uh, I don't know. That's 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 a chunk of what I had to say. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You guys want to know more about William S. Lind? Because he's... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I certainly want to learn more about William S. So, Lind. William S. Lind, cultural conservative, right? Big on the con- the traditional Christian values of America. You you want to guess who he considers his ideal leader? Uh, JFK? No, the House of Hohenzollern. He's oh. a Prussian monarchist. 
Wait, oh. no, is he a Hegel <laughs> guy? Oh, I. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I think he's, no, yes, no, yeah, yeah, this is, is okay. Everything's if clicking into. Meta, if he's into meta politics, he's certainly into Hegel. And he thinks that the Prussian, oh. the Prussian oh. monarchy was the best government there ever was, and was like yeah. unfairly crushed by the rest of the world, and like should have won World War One, and everything would, and, and like he's he's and so oh. he's he's very much like a conservative monarchist, <laughs> um, and a weird kind because like my God, dude, if you're looking at like monarchs who were like the the Hohenzollerns had like in the modern era like the first Kaiser Wilhelm was broadly competent but like it went to shit as soon as yeah. Wilhelm the second and he <laughs> blames all of World War One on um the fucking czars like it's, it's that, yeah okay. it's very you silly like his have, ideas of history are like very stupid I, I, I have an incredibly silly theory of history based on Hegel which is that like Every explain every Hegel 40, briefly for the listeners. I uh, no, do not Hegel. <laughs> this is this is you know, this is this is the thing. Okay, okay. This this is this is this is my crank theory of history based on Hegel, which is that every about forty years, someone attempts to apply Hegel. Someone like takes charge of an incredibly large state and tries to use Hegel to run it. And mm-hmm. every single time, they don't understand the dialectic and it doesn't work. So this, for example, like if, if you, you take this on a, on, a, on a very sort of granular level, right? You have Mao. Mao has no idea what a dialectic is. You, you can read Mao's work. He has no clue. Like he just doesn't, he, he, like he doesn't, he doesn't get it. He thinks that a dialectic is when one person with a bat hits the other, hits the other side. And then when you destroy the other side, the dialectic is resolved, right? Like that, that's not what it is, right? Uh, Mao, like be, 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 because of this. The entire Chinese Revolution just implodes. Everyone dies. It returns to capitalism. There's a complete failure, right? Uh, the, you know, and and like a, a lot of the Nazis are very much into Hegel. They have a, again incredibly similar failures. The other group of people, like Lind, I think is is part of this. Is that all of the people who planned the Iraq War were like enormous Hegelians, right? But they 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 they'd gotten to Hegel through this weird like. They they they'd been doing this. They'd been doing these counterinsurgency stuff, and so but their counterinsurgency stuff was they read Mao. And, you know, so they're, so they're, they're reading Hegel, but then they're also reading Hegel through Mao, and Mao doesn't understand what's going on either. And so when they try to apply the Hegelian dialectic, and they're like, okay, well, the end of the end of, the, the end of history, the end of the Hegelian dialectic is the United States, so we were, we're just going to impose this on Iraq. And it, catastrophic failure. So the, the, the moral of the story is, do not attempt to apply Hegel. You will completely annihilate your entire political movement, like every every everything everything you love and dream of, everything like every ideology you've ever had, uh, it will it will crumble beneath you, and uh, yeah, you will watch your cities you watch your cities and armies burn. That's that's fine because when I start my resistance movement, we're just going to be post-Kantian, object-oriented, on, <laughs> ontologist you, you guys, you, you guys are just going through a bunch of names, and I'm going to get like eighty percent of people are just. What the, no, why the fuck so am I hearing the, about these dead people? The thing I actually wanted to to bring up mm-hmm. on this is like how fourth and fifth gen uh, the the ideas of fourth and fifth gen get applied onto like more insurrection-based um, like uh, revolts or groups, right? You can see like groups like the Earth Liberation Front and Animal Liberation Front kind of p- pick and choose elements of the fourth and fifth generation warfare to kind of to to see how their groups formed or were operated. Um, and even you could argue that like Ted Kaczynski was like a fifth, a fifth generation warfare because he, he was completely autonomous and the, the actions. OK, let's were, let's were, introduce were to... the idea of fifth generation because we just All talked right. about fourth generation warfare, which was Lynn's idea. Fifth generation warfare is a concept that was come up. I believe Daniel Abbott is his name, 
Um, and the idea was that like it, it's a new type of warfare that like characterizes a lot of conflicts in the modern era where almost everything is non-kinetic, um, but yeah. it is still military action. Um, so military social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks, not just like decentralized, but like states actually using um, organized and often fighting non-state actors who are using kind of the same Who are doing means. the same thing, yeah. Yeah, and it, this and, and a lot of this would involve artificial intelligence, fully autonomous system, systems, not just botnets, but like algorithms that can like handle a lot of the quote-unquote fighting. Um, William S. Lind hates the idea of fourth gener a fifth-generation warfare because he's a narcissist and he doesn't like anyone using <laughs> other <laughs> ideas that is out. <laughs> See, he misapprehended um, the dialectic. It, go it keeps going. Yeah. So, right, so I what I was what what I was thinking is like is like a lot of you can apply fifth generation warfare to like these types of groups who are mostly like they 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 do some they do some fourth gen tactics in terms of like terrorism right like mm -hmm. they 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 try to make political statements through terrorism and have terrorism be an influential thing but their demand like you rarely. Like fifth generation stuff has not been around long enough, and no one's really been super successful at it in the past enough time for us like to like recognize that, right? Because you can look at a lot of a lot of like uh, insurrectionary type stuff around like the again. I'm just going to use the Earth Liberation Front as an example of like a group that attempted kind of these types of tactics, um, and they may have succeeded in the physical sense, but they did not succeed in like the cultural sense, really. Um, so trying to like look at these types of things and how they relate to like specific, you know, if you're going to use like the Ted Kaczynski example, same thing, except he's not a group. He's just one person, which is kind of more of a fifth gen thing. So he is like fully autonomous, whereas I think, uh, you know, stuff like the ELF tried to have that kind of militant group dynamic that is more similar to fourth generation warfare. So it's like this picking and choosing of like yeah. trying, to, trying to do physical action, then trying to do cultural action. And it's it's not like the things that have succeeded let's take for instance um the uh the the defend the uh cascadian forest thing who just got just got um this this the specific action they were they were working on to protect a specific chunk of the forest uh the judge approved their uh, approved their motion because they were they actually were successful because they did not form this militant thing right now they were just doing the cultural and it actually really succeeded um, as opposed to just, you know, burning down buildings and stuff to try to get your action forward. So just trying to look at, like, examples of when, when like, the goal is kind of the same and certain types succeed, certain, certain types don't, how that may influence, like, organizing and how to selectively use, like, insurrection, but have it not be, like, a default mode for, like, always your group is better if it's insurrectionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, one of the things that does characterize that I think is useful if we're, because again, I, I have my criti criticisms of of the value of any of these like phrases as kind of discrete concepts. But one of the things that I think is useful about the concept of fifth generation warfare that does talk about something that is legitimately new to conflict that has not really existed before before the internet is omnipresence. Um, that that the conflicts are not limited in geographical space or in time and in fact is like a constant factor all around you at all times um, because of the way the information sphere kind of actually functions. Um, it, it, you know, you can look at kind of like the 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 mix of street fights and, and information warfare, doxing and, and whatnot between fascists and anti-fascists for the last few years. It's omnipresent. It's always going on. 
um, and the battle space is kind of potentially everywhere, even though it's fairly rarely kinetic or physical. Um, and, and I do think that that's an area in which um, it, it is really worth having a new term and kind of defining a new term, because that's one of the few things I think that has legitimately changed. Uh, the internet's made all of this stuff that's been happening for thousands of years faster. Um, yeah. But the thing that it's really created that was not present before is this the this omnipresence. Um, so I do think that that's really useful when we yeah, we like, kind I would of like focus to, on how conflict is different. Would like to kind of like think about like January sixth within these frameworks, right? Of how of how disinformation and information was used relatively successfully to get a lot of people to actually move towards the more. Uh, you know, kind of backed by half the state, backed, you know, not backed by, well, the larger majority. And yeah, how, like, it's a it's like a synthesis of the fourth generation and fifth generation ideas, which is why, you know, there's a lot of overlap with these terms specifically. Um, but seeing how, like, one leads to another, and it's not, they're not necessarily exclusionary. Yeah. I mean, it's like, the, the result is whether they win or lose, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, like, that's what makes it a war, is, is the, is the, is like you decide afterwards based on the result. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, yeah. It, it, that's certainly like how more modern wars happen. Like with Afghanistan, it wasn't so much like a clear, like World War One. there's an armistice this, and like yes, a negotiated yeah, yeah. end of the war and at a certain date it all ends. It was a but lot we haven't, messier. As we sure haven't we done that remember. since, we haven't done that for the state. Like, you know, I've never known the states to do that for my No, because if you don't life. do that, you don't have to admit you lost. Yeah, exactly. Like, right? <laughs> if you just kind of like leave and shit gets real fucked up, um, you can just be like, for one thing, you can say like, ah, if we'd stayed and spent more money on that war, we could have we could have pulled it out. Um, which is one of my like, there's a lot of great criticisms of how the Biden administration handled things in Afghanistan last year, a thousand of them. But at the end of the day, it's like, it was never going to be good. <laughs> like it was always, it was this horrible war. We were killing way too many people. Um, we weren't achieving anything. And that fact was made really clear by the fact that as soon as we pulled out our guns, um, everything collapsed. Uh, and that was always going to happen. And you can needle around the edges of how we could have, you know, better taken care of people who we'd made promises to or whatever. But at the end of the day, it was always going to be fucked because it was a thing we never should have done. And that, that's that, like this idea that Lind has that like, no, if we fix our doctrine, we have better tactical doctrine. We have better like we have the, his, one of his big ideas is um, he, he came up with this concept called movement warfare that's been hugely influential in the way the Marine Corps functions. Um, and the idea behind movement warfare is like you, you should always have a bias towards action. And Lind is very consciously um, trying to make this basically the evolution of, of a German tactic called Auftragstaktik, which is like individual unit tactics, basically. So it, like midway through World War I, the Germans start to realize like all these mass wave human charges aren't working great. Um, and we should probably like figure out a way to get around these defenses. So they start training what are kind of the prototype of special forces, these like stormtroopers whose job is to like sneak in and not be seen and jump into the trenches and like, you know, with fucking axes and clubs and, and automatic handguns and um, fight in a way that like soldiers had not really fought in a long time. A lot of it was like melee. It was this really, and there were a lot of technical things, how to get around barbed wire, how to not be seen, how to like deal with machine gun nests. Um, and one of the keys to it was like the German started to retrain their soldiers to where like you have to have like these individual units of five and 10 men have to have like total autonomy and then unit commanders have to have autonomy and they need to be will able to like, we'll tell them we need you to be in this, this place at this point in time, but it's up to you to figure out how to do that. Because if you're, if you've got 
this one guy who's three miles back giving the commands. Everyone's just going to get mowed down by machine gun fire. It needs to be more nimble. Um, and that's part of why in World War One and in World War Two, because the rest of the, the, the people fighting the Germans, like even the U.S., had not caught up to this kind of battle doctrine by the time World War Two was over um, to the extent that the Germans had. And it's part of why there's such a lopsided casualty ratio in favor of the Germans in that war is they had – what is very close to – because all modern combat tactics are based on what the Germans started doing at the end of World War I um, and had really like nailed down to a science in World War II. Um, and Lind is saying that like we need to extend that and like that's the thing we've gotten too far away from and we need to have – you need to have like this bias towards movement and this – the like officers need to be super aggressive and like always pursuing these kind of kinetic options. And again, as the Marine Corps battle record will show, it, this is very effective when you are getting into gunfights. But when was the last time the Marine Corps was on the side of a winning war? Like, again, it doesn't we can all needle about how to make our troops better at like killing people. But at the end of the day, we're losing wars because we're getting into wars that are not winnable. And that's not something you're going to fix with battle doctrine. And and Lin yeah. doesn't and, understand that because he's a fascist. <laughs> and I, I think it's just like this. This is the real like weakness of their politics, which is that it's like, yeah, well, like it's, it's they're 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 trying. It's like they they can't tell the difference between war and like they they don't think there's a difference between war and politics, right? Yeah. And that means that they they think that there's a military solution to every political problem, and it's like. No, there's not. And like this is this is how and this is this is how they keep destroying themselves, right? Is that they they like you know it, like like th this is what happened to the neocons, right? I mean, the neocons are sort of held on in this mm -hmm. kind of rump shell, but it's like neoconservatism. Yeah, now there's just, a Lincoln Project. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's like you know like they don't they don't have like like even the people who used to be their base like aren't their base anymore. No, right? like those those people are all moved on. Because that shit to, like, doesn't Trump. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 like maybe they could have maintained it if they hadn't just like literally blown it apart like trying to conquer a rock and it's like they, they they all do this they all eventually are like well okay we'll we'll find a military solution to this and it blows up in their face because it turns out that no you can't actually do this i mean i think all this indicates a general progression into the more metapolitics idea and and culture as politics idea is that we're, we're trying to solve all these political problems at least uh, like locally within us, you know, we're trying to we're trying to do them culturally and choose through them selectively in other countries, right? Because the more kind of my, the, the idea of like let's just keep entering wars, which we're also doing at the same time, but only for very 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 like specific like very specific regions. But I mean, the the trend of like versus you know like Trump's not necessarily in, like Trump's not really a neocon. He preferred the cultural jamming like that was that was his preferred method and it got him relatively far in four and, years and there there's an argument that lind is a big person who that he learned a lot from lind I, even though i don't think he ever read his books all the people he surrounded him with were fans of lind there's a picture of trump and lind together and like a copy of or at least trump together with a copy of his book um which is titled uh, uh, The Next Conservatism. Um, and I, I'm going to read an, a quote at this point from uh, The American Conservative, which Lind has written for that describes this book because it, it's, it's uh, uh, useful. Um, the Next Conservatism offers a comprehensive agenda of what Lyndon Weyrich, who's his co-author on this, call, a cultural, call cultural conservatism. While the book aims higher than mere policy, the specifics mentioned are Trumpian, reductions in legal and illegal immigration, an America-first trade policy, and robust investments in domestic infrastructure, particularly streetcars and trains. In a less Trumpian vein, it also promotes homeschooling and incorporates some ideas of, from the new urbanism as part of a broader program called Retro Culture. Of its connection with Trump, Lind says the book runs parallel to what 
he has been saying, but he doubts the billionaire's familiarity with its more philosophical ideas. Now, here's the part that is going to be really unsettling. And this, I think, is what Lind may actually be going for rather than any kind of reform in the military to improve its ability to win foreign wars. Quote, in 1994, an article appeared in the Marine Corps Gazette by Lind and two of the authors of the 1989 piece where he introduced the concept of fourth-generation warfare. It ended on a dire note. The point is not merely that America's armed forces will find themselves facing non-nation state conflicts and forces overseas. The point is that the same conflicts are coming here. The next real war we fight is likely to be on American soil. So that's yeah. what's going on here. Yep. Uh, like, And that's the thing where bias towards action and increased killing power, if all you're really trying to do is murder everyone who disagrees with you using the military very quickly, well, that might work for you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. People should know about this. He has a fucking fiction book called Victoria, which actually, if you go to like TV tropes, um, the uh, there's a TV. Well, it's not just TV tropes anymore, but like there's a trope page for my book after the revolution. And it's directly compared to Victoria as like they're the opposites of each other because Victoria is like a book about a civil war in the U.S. that these like weird fascist 
uh, like monarchists win and like it, it it's uh it's huh. pretty fucked up like the problem is that like 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 all of these like the northwest is controlled by like uh environmentalist like leaders who get like eaten by these animals like wolves that they reintroduce to the to the society and like California is so feminist that it's illegal to have sex and make babies. Oh my God. Um, and the South fails because Ooh. it's, it's too multicultural. Um, oh God. and yeah, Jeez. like it's, this it's is, all, this is yeah. so cringy. So the yeah. person who wins the war is like the governor of Maine. Who's uh, a retro culture practitioner, um, and considers himself a subject of the Kaiser. <laughs> because <laughs> I may be getting a couple of details wrong, but not that part. I know, like it's it's a fucking nuts nuts. So I've only read like little bits of it. Maybe one day I'll get through the whole thing. That, but um, what a what a it's sad bug nerd. fuck. Oh, no. That's the, that's the thing with all, with all of these like cultural jammers. Like they try to put on like war aesthetics, but all of them are the nerdiest fuckers he'll ever meet. He's so stupid. And I like, I, like half he, he's of so them stupid claim to be at some actual things. wizards. All mm-hmm. of these guys are so they're so nerdy, all of them. Yeah. And the, like Lind, everything about him makes sense when you understand that his primary guiding directive is anger over the fact that there's no longer a Kaiser. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's he's a lewd, but also like again, he was not lying about. And there's a picture of like Trump with this fucking book. He's not lying that like fucking everybody who was like p- pilled in that White House knew about Lynn's ideas and have been. He's yeah. been hugely influential, and not just among like the American right. His books have been found in like Al Qaeda hideouts and shit. Like he's that extre- makes sense though. That, that, yeah, that that, that that like all of all of that really tracks is because yeah, like the the barrier between like terrorist action as a part of fourth generation and in some ways fifth generation warfare. And then the type of like c- culture jamming, those things go hand in hand. Like that is mm-hmm. the, like, that is the goal of it is, is to make it work that way. So that doesn't surprise me that those types of terrorist groups would be reading his books for advice or for like, to like figure out how the other side thinks. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably enough talking about William S. Lind for today and, and cultural and uh, the fourth generation. We'll talk. There, there's a lot to dig into about how these ideas have influenced chunks of the right and how they're currently still being used for like these omnipresent conflicts that are going on right now. And again, I do think particularly the idea of omnipresence is really useful for understanding modern conflict. I would I would go so far as to say like crucial. Um so it, it, this is necessary background information to people to have for people to have for like some of the other shit we're going to be continuing to talk in this uh, about in this series as we you know as we talk more about kind of kinetic conflicts or at least building towards kinetic conflicts um but yeah i think this is this is a useful kind of grounding and now i'm going to send uh chris and garrison off to write an episode explaining who hegel is and everything he believed i yeah, it's gonna be great. You're gonna, you're gonna hear you. You will watch me go mad in real time. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be great. Yeah. The other option is I can just read the Wikipedia page for Hegel with like a really offensive German accent. Uh, that's, that, that's better than that, reading Hegel. That actually Don't read sounds Hegel. better. I'm gonna go to. Um, I, I will. I promise you one thing, which is that I will wind up either Russian or Australian by the end. I can't stop that drift. When I whenever I start doing, you know. Oh, I am a good German. Yeah, my name is Mr. Hegel. You can I follow believe us in on the Twitter and the... at Happen hmm? Here Pod yeah. or and follow at Cool Zone Media. We're going to stop that right yeah, now. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs>
It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.